can be just uh, released, use the term released for our younger ones, first through fifth grade, go out here, the preschool and kindergartens, go right over here. The older kids, you stay in here today. We, we want you to be a part of the worship service, so if you're one of the older crowd, which is a good thing. And so, uh, man, what a cool service. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is our first live worship band in how long? It's been a while. And so, good job, guys. You did really good. So it's going to take a while for them to quiet down. You guys can turn in your Bibles, whether it's on your phone or hard copy to Matthew chapter 28. And so be turning that. We've been talking about how Matthew is the gospel to the good and the not so good. So whatever category you fit in, it works for you. Okay, they're trying to get it worked out there. All right. Hey, you know, the best part of the good news is that Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. He is alive. And because he's alive, we don't just follow his teaching. We get to follow him. And that's really important. And we get to experience him. So let's read the resurrection account that Matthew gives us, at least part of it here in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I like that, isn't that? It's kind of a nice touch. He sat on it, kind of like making fun of it, like any stone's going to keep Jesus. It's just great. I just love it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were as white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became dead like dead men. Now, I understand that, okay? I mean, that's pretty scary stuff. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And they did see him, along with the apostles and the disciples. And in verses 16 and 17, it goes on, and the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Now, It says when they saw him, they worshiped him. That's pretty understandable, too. That's an appropriate response when you're looking at someone who rose from the dead. I mean, like, you know, yeah, that's pretty amazing for us. And so that's cool. In fact, that's kind of what we're doing here today, right? We're worshiping the living Jesus. That's appropriate. We should. That's why this is one of the best days in church. But I like the fact that Matthew points out, but some doubted. Isn't that great? He's like, what's great about it? Well, here they are, standing in front of the risen Jesus, and they're doubting. That's kind of like, you know, they say that seeing is believing. Sometimes you can't believe what you see. You know, there's something, because they weren't believing what they're seeing. And we struggle with this. By the way, if the resurrection, the whole idea of a resurrection is so outside your paradigm... Let me just recommend that you do some research. It's not as unbelievable as you might think. There's this great book. There's a lot of good books, but Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And if you, if you just want to have some honest, if you have honest doubts and you want to get some of your questions answered, that's just a resource for you. But the thing is, Jesus didn't just appear to a few people. 
he appeared to a whole bunch of people. And uh, Paul shares his testimony in 1 Corinthians, and this is what he says. He says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then here's where it gets interesting. And that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles again. And then last of all, he appeared to me also. That's a lot of people. It wasn't just to the apostles or the disciples. A lot of people experienced Jesus in the flesh and that he was raised from the dead. Now, if you're like me, I go, man, I would sure like to experience Jesus like that. That'd be cool. And it kind of brings up what I want to talk about today. Can we experience Jesus? Can we experience the living Jesus? And Well, probably not in the flesh, obviously. But, you know, I, I've experienced Jesus, the living Jesus. How many of you can say you've experienced the living Jesus? Amen. It does happen. And so you go, well, how does that happen? How do you, how do you experience the living Jesus? Well, I'd like us to go to a single verse in the book of Ephesians. It's one of my favorites. And this is what it says. Ephesians 5.14, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I just love that. And what we find in this verse is kind of a, a real simple formula for experiencing the living Jesus. Okay? So, let's just, so there's three things that need to happen if I'm going to experience God, experience the living Jesus. And the first thing is this. First thing is I need to wake up. It's interesting. This passage suggests that we're asleep. Wake up, oh sleeper. Okay, now, we know that the world is full of people, and they're just plain asleep. Some are in a downright coma, and they just need to wake up. But what's interesting, this passage is to Christians. He's suggesting that as Christians, we can be asleep, and that Paul is suggesting we need a spiritual awakening. Maybe some of you need a spiritual awakening today. And I think the biggest challenge here is just to begin to doubt that we're fully awake. Because we think, everybody, I'm awake. What are you talking about? Are you sure? How do you know? You pinch yourself. By the way, does that really work? I mean, you know, how, how do you know you're awake? How do you really know? It's like the little boy who fell out of bed one night, and uh, his parents ran uh, to... Uh, you know, ask him what happened. And the little boy said this, I guess I fell asleep too close to where I got in. And there's a lot of Christians who come to Christ. They get in, they go to church, but they fall asleep too close to where they got in. You know any Christians like that? Maybe you're kind of like that. And this is where it's so important we, to have people around us. Sometimes we need people around us to wake us up, to help us stay awake, to rouse us. Lisa and I went to Puget Sound Christian College when it was in this old campus you know, on Finney Ridge in, up above Ballard. And the dorms, the women had the top two floors, the guys had the bottom, and there was a common ground in between. But the, the dorm was a literal fire trap, I kid you not. We all could have died in minutes in this thing. And, and they would have fire drills in the middle of the night all the time. And so, you know, you, you, you just in the middle of the night, fire alarm, and we're all going out there. There was this one guy, this one guy who would sleep through the alarms. For real. It, nothing would wake this guy up. And if it wasn't for a few of us 
who took it upon ourselves to go to his room and wake this guy up, this guy would die for sure if there was a real fire. It's just how it is. And, and sometimes we need people in our life. And see, this is what it is. God is always trying to bring people into our life and situations into our life to wake us up. You know? To shake us. Hey, wake up as Christians. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're fully awake. What people, what situations is God right now bringing into your life to wake you up? Are you just dismissing them? Shining them on? Eh, he's just annoying. What, what's God bringing into your life right now to try to wake you up? Romans 13, 11, 12 says, The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Again, Paul's talking to Christians. And, uh, and he's suggesting, you know, you guys need to wake up because look at the times. Look at the times. Look at what's going around on, you know, in our, our society, in the world affairs right now. The time may be closer than we realize. You better wake up. And I can challenge you on this because I can tell you for a fact in my early Christian life, even as I was a pastor, I thought I was awake, but I was not. I was just half awake. I wasn't there yet. It's funny how you don't know you're awake until you're... How many have ever dreamed you're awake? Have you ever had that? It's like, and you, and you keep waking up, but you're still in the dream. And, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. But there is this state. The more awake you get, the more you realize how asleep you were. But God is constantly moving us to a state of awakening and of awakeness. Now, I understand that staying asleep may have its benefits. I mean, really, sometimes you just rather go back to sleep, right? I just want to stay in this dream. And, uh, you know, and so we, we struggle with that. And, uh, and so we enjoy being, a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of, intentionally oblivious to the things going around us. Because I'd rather dream I'm in control of my existence than face the fact that I'm not. Okay? It'd be like hearing a noise in the middle of the night and you get up to, and you go out and see what's going on and you're standing there looking and listening and suddenly you feel a breath on the back of your neck. You get the feeling and you suddenly realize that you are not alone. Okay? But what we don't realize that this other thing, this other person that's in our house with us does not want to harm us. He's trying to wake us up because our house is on fire. He's trying to wake us up. And that's God. So wake up. God is real. He's all around us. He's banging on your doors. He's tapping on your windows. He's pinching you. He's trying to get you and me to wake up to the reality because that's where he's taking us all the time. And the reality is that Jesus has risen. We can experience him, but we got to wake up. Okay? Second thing needs to happen is we need to rise from the dead. Okay, what's that? Now, I admit that's a little symbolic. Now, we're all going to rise from the dead at the resurrection, so we're not taking away from that. But how do we rise from the dead in the present? Well, it's really simple. It's not that hard. When I wake up, I got to get up. It's that simple. To wake up, you got to get up. If I don't get up, I go back to sleep. How many of you have ever hit the snooze button? You wake up, you know, the arm, wake up. Okay, some of us need a get-up strategy. 
When I was in Bible college, I, I had to put my alarm clock on the other side of the room so that I would get up to turn it off. And just a little, just that enough, you know, and I might go back to my bed and just, you know, you know like half coma, but at least it would get me up. And some of us need a wake-up strategy. Some of us struggle with that spiritually. You know, we need to get up and do something. Some people suffer from spiritual narcolepsy. Narcolepsy is a condition where people have frequent, brief, uncontrollable bouts of falling asleep, kind of like what some of you are doing right now. You guys, he's like, oh, he's preaching in and out. Where's Ken? Yeah, Ken's nodding. It's like, yeah, I can check out here. And, uh, and see, as Christians, we can fall back asleep. We have, you know, frequent, brief, fall asleep. So we need to find a way to stay awake. And we do that by getting up and by getting our minds active and our hearts engaged on higher things. In Colossians 3, it says this, Since then you've been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we know that there's more this life than this life. Okay? When Jesus rose from the dead... The world became immensely bigger than we ever realized. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we know there's more. We can't see the fences. The fences don't even exist. We have no idea. We can't even comprehend this new reality that Jesus demonstrated for us by rising from the dead. And uh, it, it, this life is not much more than a nursery you know, where we grow up to another life that we're meant to exist in. It's a training ground. That's all it is, at very least. And so we need to move, get up, start aiming toward this other existence that is not quite ours yet, but we begin experiencing in the now. That's just what God has called us to. And we need to begin to understand that as long as we keep focused on the things of this earth, we're going to fall back asleep. That's why Paul adds, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. There are still things I have troubles letting go of, honestly. There are still things I enjoy doing that put me to sleep. There are still things I, I find taking up my time and my energy, but they take me away from the higher things, and I get caught up in them, and I find myself in a state of comatose spiritually. And I need to wake up and get up again all over again. And... Uh, but there comes a point where a baby has to let go of his or her pacifier and baby blanket. In the same way, we have to let go of our baby blankets and pacifiers. We're always trading lesser things for greater things. And that's how you get up. We make the trade. We let go of the lesser things. and We keep focused. We set our, our hearts and our minds on the things above. We engage our hearts and our minds. And all the conflicts and all the challenges and suffering, the hard things that God brings into our life, that's God constantly moving us upward from the lesser things to the greater things. It's just how this life works. If those things didn't happen, I'd be asleep, and you'd be asleep, and we would not be growing up into what God called us to be. And so 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, 
Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our, our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's how we get up. And as I rise from the dead and I get up from my sleep, as I grow up, I, I discover I have less to lose my mind over. I have less to lose heart over. I have less to fear. I really do. I have less to be resentful about when things don't go my way. I have less to feel guilty about and ashamed of. I have less to be envious of, of other people or jealous of, of what I have. It, I, emotionally, I'm better because I just have less I'm holding on to. You can take it all and I'll be okay. I'm doing okay and I especially have less to worry about. Instead, you know, as I let go of all the fear and anger and stuff like that, it's replaced with faith and trust and love and hope and peace and joy in ever-increasing quantities in my life. Am I there yet? No, but I'm still going there. A new desire is born in our hearts for God, and it will not be satisfied until we see him face to face. But now it's a growing experience of God day by day as we get up. Wake up, get up. Finally, if I want to experience the living Christ, I simply need to let him shine on me. I love this part. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, you've probably heard of people being afraid of the dark, but have you ever heard of people being afraid of the light? You know? But it's a reality. We're afraid of the light. We're afraid of the truth. In John 3, 19, Jesus says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The Bible indicates that we all struggle with this because, you know, we're all a little afraid of the truth, especially the truth about ourselves. We don't want anybody shining lights too closely to what's really going on. So we always, even at church, especially at church, we come a little bit guarded and hidden. We don't really let people know what's going on. That has to happen in smaller groups and smaller meetings. But we kind of, you know, we don't want people to know too much about the reality because that'd scare people. Boy, if they really knew, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't think very well of me. I got news for you. We are all, we all have issues here. And if you're looking for someone without dysfunction, you're going to have to go outside this building. And you're still not going to find it. Okay? It's just a reality. But the thing is, God wants to bring us into the light. He wants the light of Christ to shine us, because that's where true transformation takes place. As we let God in, he begins to uncover, you know, the prejudices and the, uh, the biases and the demands and the self-centeredness and all those, you know, mean issues that keep us miserable people. Selfishness. And when the light shines, it transforms us. We don't change. The light changes us. Such a blessing. But again, just like the first other point, sometimes we just don't want that light to shine. We want to hide from it. Years ago, some of us went on a mission trip to Liberia. And to go to Liberia, we had to take this medication called Malarone to keep you from getting malaria. Okay, and so you just had to take it. One of the side effects of this medication is it causes, in some people, photosensitivity, which means you're sensitive to the light. So for the whole period while I was there, I got this hot, burning, itchy rash on my body that was exposed to the sun. That's no kidding. And so when you're allergic to the light, 
What do you do? You cover up. So I was always, and it was hot and humid, but I could, I had to have a hat and make sure I had long sleeves. You know, I, I had to cover up as much as I could. But see, some of us have that same allergy to spiritual truth. And we cover up. But in the spiritual realm, that light's the only thing that can heal us and change us. That's why Paul encourages us in Ephesians 5.8, For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. But as we let the light shine our lives, that's when we really wake up to the true riches and hope, the power, all the good stuff that God is offering to us in Christ. And you get excited about this life. And, it, you know, growing up in Christ no longer is like this drudgery. It's like you're moving to something better and better all the time. It's like Paul prays in Ephesians, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And it's all about the resurrection. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. When God raised his son from the dead, we know that there's riches and there's power and power that's available for us that wouldn't have been there had Jesus not risen from the dead. But now I know it's there and now I know I can experience it because Jesus offers it. Let the Christ shine on you. And our whole Christian lives are all about learning to experience the living Christ. But we do have a part to play. He just doesn't make it happen. At each step, I have to wake up. It's each step I have to get up. At each step, I have to not cover up and let the light Christ. And, and so I thought I might close with a quick little story of how, you know, God does this to me all the time. I preach a sermon, then he, he does something to me during the week to make me actually practice what I preach. I hate that. But uh, this it happened Thursday. I, I'd gotten some news about a dear, close friend that indicated this person was not doing well spiritually and had taken a real turn. And, and I got to tell you, I just felt sick. Have you ever, you know what I'm talking about? It's like loss. You're like, and, and I, I can't even describe the emotions because it just kind of hit me. You know how you're kind of numb at first? You're just kind of like, and then, and so I was just in this cloud, and as I began to examine it, I, there was fear. There was even dread. There was dread because I knew I was going to have to have a conversation with this person. Have you ever dreaded having a conversation with somebody? And you knew it wasn't going to go well. And you just, all the dark scenarios were coming to my mind, and it was just, I was in a dark place. You know what it was? I was spiritually asleep because I had no awareness of the bigger picture, of what God was doing, what he might be doing. I was locked in a little dungeon of my own thinking, and I was in a really bad place. Good news is, I knew I had to wake up. God was already, the Holy Spirit was already tapping at my heart. You can't go through the day like this. Yet something's got to change. So I began being open to the truth, and I began to wake up. And so this was Thursday mornings, right about noon afternoon, Started waking up. Okay, there's another way to handle this. There's other possibilities. There's other ways to see this besides me. So what do I have to do? I have to get up. I was waking up, but all right, now what's my next step? I cooperated in the waking up. 
What do I, so I began, I, I need to make a conscious decision to trust God on this. I need to do some prayer, maybe look at some promises, and just say, all right, God, because I'm not there, God. This just looks bad to me. And so I began to intentionally, all right, God, I'm going to put this in your hands. I'm going to trust you. Somehow you've got this. I began playing the other truth tapes, God's light. And by the end of the day, I was getting there. Okay? It was kind of like, whew, and I told Lisa, I think I'm in a better spot. I'm not there yet. But I, you know, at least the dread isn't there. I know that somehow God's in this. I don't know what it is. And I'm still feeling a little bit fearful. Okay? And, and I was able to go to sleep. You know, if I had go to, I, I wouldn't have been able to sleep, but I was able to get a somewhat decent night's rest. And I woke up in the morning, and then it finished off. I got up and did my morning devotions, which I always do. And that's where God took me home. And I'm sitting there reading the Bible and praying to God and just knowing I have to turn on. All of a sudden, I'm really, you know, it just comes through that oh, he's got this. And it was finally a release. All I had to do was let the light of Christ shine on me. And, I've, and I'm commenting, now, here's the cool thing. And this, this is why I'm even sharing it with you. While I'm sitting there in my chair that I do this every morning, our window here looks out into a farm field. And you know how the weather's been this week, right? It's just been hail. But on this morning, the sky was clear, and there was this fog bank, haze and clouds right there. And just as I was realizing I was coming out of the haze and start, starting to experience this, the sun literally started breaking through the horizon, and it appeared as a bright orb. You could look at it. It was just like, look at that a fiery orb in the sky. And then as I watched it, just a few seconds later, it broke even through that, and it, bl it was blinding light. I couldn't look at it anymore, and it got up even higher, and I couldn't look at it at all, and I could feel the warmth through the window. And at that moment, I realized that God was telling me what this passage is all about. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Because that's what he was doing. And he just said, you got to share this with everybody, because that's how it works in so many different situations, so many different ways. We have a living Christ, and he can change our lives if we wake up, rise from the dead, and let him shine on us. Amen? Amen. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's all be standing for a closing word of prayer. You're an awesome God, and I thank you for patiently, lovingly, gently showing us the way of life. And thank you for letting your son die on the cross. Thank you for rising him back from the dead and giving this life that we could not even comprehend. But you've brought it to us. It's the good news for the good and the not so good. And most of us here are not so good. And it's a gift, but we need to receive it. May everyone here today receive this gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you leave, if you have to talk to somebody and you, know, you want to take a step toward waking up, please talk to Mike or me or someone else about what it means. And so egg hunt will be just a few minutes. Have a good week.